Welcome to the In the Scriptures podcast. The following Bible lesson was previously recorded. Hello everyone, Lance here. I'm going to bring you another lesson from the book of Genesis as we continue our study and invite you to open your Bibles and join in with us. We'll be looking at Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. So chapter 3 we left off just as a reminder with Adam and Eve uh, falling to the temptation of the serpent in the Garden of Eden, eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, having their eyes opened to that choice between good and evil, and God placing curses, consequences upon them and the serpent, and pushing them out of the garden forever. Man would now be subject to physical death. Man would have to work by the sweat of his brow uh, to earn a living, to eat from the ground. Woman would have a multiplied pain in conception and childbirth and have a desire for her husband and the husband ruling over her. And for the serpent, he was cursed to go on his belly to be more cursed than all other creatures of the field. And there was the prophetic statement made by God in Genesis 3 verse 15 that he would put enmity between the serpent and the woman between the serpent's seed and the woman's seed, that the woman's seed would bruise the serpent's head and the serpent would bruise the woman's seed's heel. And this was a foretelling of the coming ultimately of the Savior, of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. So that brings us to Genesis 4, a very important chapter as well for us to understand here in the early days of mankind. And I want to begin by reading the first 15 verses, and we're going to focus on those. And as time allows, we may get to the latter part of the chapter as well. Genesis 4, beginning in verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, 
which has opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Boy, this is a really interesting part of the history of man. Cain and Abel. Adam and Eve have two sons, Abel and Cain. Cain being the oldest, Abel being the younger. And these two were very different. Cain was a tiller of the ground. He was a a farmer, a gardener. Abel was a keeper of the sheep, a shepherd, a herdsman. And they offered worship to God by sacrifices. Cain brought, in verse 3, of the fruit of the ground to the Lord, of what he had raised up. And Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, again, what he had raised up and produced. But things really begin to unravel in a hurry as far as Cain is concerned. Cain is upset because God respects Abel and his offering, but not Cain and his offering. Now, we're not told the details here in the text of exactly why that was. Many would surmise that, well, uh, Abel brought an offering that was an animal sacrifice. And as we continue on through the scriptures, we read about uh, animal sacrifices and that being accepted by God and even commanded, directed by God. But we really don't know just in this context if that's the specific reason that it wasn't accepted. What we do know, to give a little more information on this, can be found in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. The Hebrew writer says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of His gifts, and through it, He being dead still speaks. So this is an interesting verse that provides some insight to Abel's sacrifice. Again, it's not clarified that it was all about it being an animal sacrifice or not, but what is clarified is the attitude in which Abel approached the sacrifice. As you read Hebrews chapter 11, the the phrase by faith is repeated a number of times. In this chapter, faith is the key subject that's being covered and discussed and shown. And it's being shown in definition, but it's also being shown in examples by looking at these uh, people of the Old Testament, people uh, of God that acted by faith. And here Abel is one of those who acted by faith. And so that's what it says, Hebrews 11 verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God. So we know that Abel's sacrifice was by faith. It was by faith. 
And it says that he offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And so in direct comparison to Cain, Cain's sacrifice didn't reach that acceptable level of excellence, of faith, or whatever it was that God had made the standard clear to him and to Abel, his brother. And so it's an interesting example and something that we can make a very basic application to our lives in. And if we asked ourselves concerning what we offer to God, uh, are we offering to God an acceptable sacrifice? Now that, that, that's a, a big question, isn't it? Also in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 1, or excuse me, Romans chapter 12, in verse 1, Paul wrote this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So Paul compels us here to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. And so, again, we get asked the same question that comes by looking at this example of Cain and Abel of whether or not the sacrifice that we're offering in our lives before God in service and in worship to Him, is it acceptable? Is it holy? In verse 2 there of Romans 12, Paul goes on to say, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is really kind of the key to unlocking what a living sacrifice is. It's not conforming to the world. It is conforming to the will of God. Doing the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And it seems very clear in Genesis 4 that that's what Abel did. He, he performed his sacrifice by faith in an acceptable fashion before God. He conformed his way of doing it to what God expected. Cain, on the other hand, seems to have done right the opposite. And he had not given an acceptable sacrifice for whatever the actual reason is. If it simply wasn't by faith, if he did it unwillingly, if he did it not by offering the right things, whatever it might be, he fell short of offering an acceptable sacrifice to God. Acceptable to God. That's a key statement in the lesson we're looking at really here with Cain and Abel. Abel was accepted by God. Cain was not. If we asked ourselves right here, right now, are we accepted by God as it stands in this moment? Well, that could be a horrifying thought if we're not. It could be a comforting and peaceful thought if we truly and faithfully believe that we are. Well, going back to Genesis chapter 4 in our text, Cain, when he finds out that God does not respect his offering, he was angry and his countenance fell. This is common reaction that we might expect for someone who finds themselves in Cain's situation. He's at first angry, and along with that he is saddened, disappointed, disheartened, his countenance has fallen. And it's interesting because God is going to have a conversation with him. Wouldn't it be interesting if God could have 
some of these kind of conversations with us today, if or if he did or chose to. But in verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? Why? Why, Cain? Why is this your state? And further, before Cain could even answer that, he says in verse 7, If you do well, will you not be accepted? There's that kind of key word as we look at those New Testament verses about being acceptable to God. Will you not be accepted if you do well? He goes on then and says, The Lord does, If you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. In other words, here, Cain, there's something you should do. You ought to do. You ought to do the right thing, to do well and be accepted. But if you don't, sin is going to eat you up. And as we read in verse 8, Cain lets sin rule over him and eat him up. He talks with Abel, his brother, And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Brother killing brother. So then the Lord is going to speak to Cain again in verse 9. Where is Abel your brother, he says. And Cain says, I do not know, and famously, infamously, asked the question back to God, am I my brother's keeper. Boy, that's a that's a statement or a question that we can learn a lot from too. As we read throughout the rest of the scriptures, we're going to find that God is going to tell us emphatically, yes, you are your brother's keeper, that you're to love your neighbor as yourself, that you are to do unto others as you would have them do unto you, that you are to love your enemies, bless those who curse you, bless and do not curse that you are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Just time and time again, we're going to be shown throughout the Scriptures that we are our brother's keeper in the sense that we are to care for, have compassion for, help, forgive, love one another. So God's response to him in verse 10 is, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. God knew. All-knowing, omniscient God, He knew what had happened. He places a curse upon Cain that the ground would no longer yield its strength to him and that he would be a fugitive and a vagabond, not going to have a home. Cain is distraught because the punishment is too much. He's afraid that whoever comes upon him would just kill him. And so God places a mark on him and says that whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. It's really a a sad, sad situation here to have these first children of mankind, Cain and Abel, be in a situation where Cain would kill his own brother Abel. But this is the reality when sin enters the picture. When we have the knowledge of good and evil, as we read about happening and unfolding in Genesis chapter 3, then all of this is on the table. 
because now we're making choices. Cain was making choices. Abel was making choices. Abel chose to offer an acceptable sacrifice by faith. Cain chose to offer the sacrifice he wanted to offer, which obviously was not respected, not acceptable. He also chose to get angry about God's refusal to accept it. And he also chose to take his brother's life out of that anger and jealousy. He also chose to not be straight with God when asked what he had done. And then interestingly, he begs for mercy from God when he thinks his punishment is too great. You know, you and I sometimes follow the same path, don't we? And it's all started with that reality of choice. We are able to make choices. We're allowed by God to make choices. We need to make wise choices, godly choices. Not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we will make choices according to the will of God, acceptable to God, and not make mistakes. Let's look just quickly at the latter part of the chapter. Beginning in verse 16 of Genesis 4, Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begat Mehuel. Mehuel begat Methushel. Methushel begat Lamech, and Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of one was Adah, the name of the second was Zillah. And Adah bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwelt in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. And as for Zillah, she also bore Tubal Cain, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Naamah. Then Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, listen to my speech. For I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventyfold. This is interesting little history that's given to us here concerning the family of Cain. But Cain goes out and he settles down in this land of Nod, which really was going against what God's statement about him was, that he would be a, a vagabond on the earth, a fugitive. But he still tried to settle down and have a city of his own. And he has these children, and it's interesting that from these children we see a number of things that are going to have an impact on mankind. Some you might say for good and some for bad, for evil. But one of the notable things is that Lamech, in verse 19, took for himself two wives. That's the first indication of that in the Scriptures of having multiple wives. And this will be followed throughout the Old Testament history and much of early civilization and bring about a lot of problems ultimately outside the design that God had put in place going back to the very beginning of one man for one woman for life. 
And then also notice that these sons have different talents, skills, abilities that they uh, teach and pass on and bring into the world, if you will. In verse 20, we see uh, that Jabal was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. And then in verse 21, Jubal was the father of all those who play the harp and flute, the musicians. And then as you go on, you see... uh, Zilla, that she bore Tubal Cain, and he was an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. Some metalworking, craftsmanship. And then in verses 23 and 24, really interesting that you have this kind of song of Lamech as he is bragging about killing a man that had wounded him, even a young man. He's bragging about taking a life. And you can't help but look at that and and think back to his patriarch of his family, Cain, and see that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Cain was a murderer, a killer. And here it appears that Lamech was as well. Here, Moses, in this historical account in Genesis, shifts gears right at the end of chapter 4. In the last two verses, he talks about Seth. Verse 25 and 26, Genesis 4. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. So here's a shifting of gears at the end of chapter 4 where we go back to Adam and Eve and we see that they have another son named Seth. And it's going to be through Seth's lineage that we'll be able to trace down uh, through the history of God's people. And at the end of verse 26, it's interesting to read there that men began to call on the name of the Lord. Cain's lineage was going in a worldly wrong direction, most apparently. But now Seth's lineage would be those who did look to God at that time. Well, I hope this has been beneficial for you in looking at Genesis chapter 4. I'm enjoying this study as we go through the book of Genesis chapter by chapter, and I hope that you'll continue to be with us as we do this even more going forward. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we humbly bow before you. We are thankful to be able to call upon you as our God and Father. We are thankful to have the Bible, to have your word, the scriptures, the holy scriptures that are able to make us wise to salvation. We're thankful to have these examples in the Old Testament that we can look to to learn lessons, to see what we should and should not do, how we should and should not think, to learn more about you as our God, our Creator, about your character, your love for us, your plans for us. Father, we're just so thankful and realize that we're so richly blessed because of what you have done for us. Father, help us to be more like Abel and be coming to you looking to offer acceptable sacrifices. Help us to be less like Cain and get rid of jealousy and envy. Get rid of anger and 
resentment. Get rid of any murderous thoughts that we might have in our mind. Help us to realize that sin is always right there at the door, but that we ought to rule over it. We ought to be able to say no, turn away from it, find the way of escape that you have promised. Father, we pray for all of those that have never named your name, that have not come to you, have not come to Jesus Christ. Pray, Father, that they may have time and opportunity to realize the great need to have a relationship with you, to give obedience to your word and your will, to look forward to that heavenly home realizing that we will exist for all of eternity. Father, we beg for your mercy and your forgiveness, knowing that we stumble, we make mistakes. We pray that you'll give us the strength and the courage to turn from those things, confess those things, get back up and try again. Help us to forgive others, to show your love to all. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.